Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Please rise. 
The God who created all that is is the one whom we worship. The God who redeemed Israel is the one on whose name we call. The God who sent the Son so that we might have new life is the one in whose name we gather. And the God who will bring us home into everlasting life is the one whom we praise. Let us worship God. confession this morning will be sung. The choir will sing through the refrain one time and we the congregation will sing through the refrain twice. After that there will be a time of silent confession together. And now as we, sit, right, as we prepare our hearts for our uh, prayer of confession, know that while we were st still sinners, Christ died for us. So in trusting in God's faithfulness and God's compassion, let us confess our sins together.
been overcome and sin has been conquered. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Everything that is old has passed away and a new life has begun. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Awesome job our choir did this morning. I'm so proud of you all. I really appreciate y'all coming and going. Well, you decided not to, huh? That's okay. That's okay. That's no problem. Well, guess what, you guys? Today, I have an awesome surprise for y'all. Yeah, it's an awesome surprise. It's so cool. You guys, you're not going to believe it. It's so cool. It's so cool. The only thing is this. You're going to have to find it because I hid it. Yeah, it's guarded. It's guarded upstairs. It's really, really cool. It's like the coolest thing you've ever seen. Do you, do you believe me? You believe me? Hang on. Do you believe me? Do you believe that I have a big surprise for you? Do you believe that I have something really cool for you? Why? How do you know? Can you see it? No. You can't see I told you. I told you, and you believe it. How come you believe me? Do you? I don't lie to you. No, I don't. And you trust me? And you have faith in me? Yeah. Even though you can't see what I'm telling you I have, I've got it for you. And you believe me. And that's what faith is. Having faith means believing in something that you can't see and trusting, right? I'm going to tell you guys a story today about some guys who went out into the wilderness, and there were 12 of them. Did you hear about this already? Yeah. And how many of them, how many of them believed it? Do you know this answer? And how many of them said, no way, that's not happening? Most of them said no, right? They were, they were what you call a naysayer. Who said yes? you remember? Joshua and Caleb. They came back and they said, you know what? God has promised this to us and we're going to believe it. But, but we can't get it. We can't find it. It's guarded by a bunch of mean people. We can't fight them. We don't have the ability to do that. Is that so? No, it's not so. When God tells you you have the ability to do it, you can believe it. You can trust it. Even though you can't see it, you can believe it because he told you so. And just like Miss Deb, God doesn't lie to you. God keeps all of his promises. Now, we got to go on a hunt and we got to go find our surprise. Okay? All right, let's pray real quick before we go find our surprise. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful day that you have given us Lord, I thank you so much for the sweet voices that we heard sing this morning and for Tom and for all of his assistants who have helped us to learn the song to praise you. 
Lord, thank you for keeping your promises and for allowing us to have faith and to know that you never lie to us. We can always count on what you say. Thank you, Lord, for our surprise, and thank you for all of these souls. In Christ's name, amen. All right, kiddos, let's go find it. Please pray with me. God of grace and God of glory, be known to us in new and fresh ways as we worship this morning. Speak to us through your word and illuminate our journeys through the wilderness by your presence. We pray in the name of the one who is the light of the world, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Those who are able are invited to rise for the reading of our first lesson this morning comes to us from the book of Hebrews, in the 10th chapter, verses 32 through the end of the verse, and then continuing to chapter 11, verse 1. Listen now for God's word. But recall those earlier days when, after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to abuse and persecution, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion for those who were in prison, and you cheerfully accepted the plundering of your possessions, knowing that you yourselves possessed something better and more lasting. Do not, therefore, abandon that confidence of yours. It brings a great reward. For you need endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, the one who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. My soul takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. But we are not among those who shrink back and so are lost, but among those who have faith and so are saved. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Thank you, you choir. Once again, those who are able are invited to stand out of respect to God's living word. We remind you that we are following the story, the greatest story ever told, God's story. We're looking at it uh, in this rendition of the New International Version in 31 chapters. And I'm going to actually be reading from uh, this representation from the story on page 74. These are verses uh, from the Old Testament, from the book of Numbers, chapters 13 and 14. And those are listed in your bulletin and I believe on your screen, your TV screen as well. So listen to God's word. So we know that God's people have been brought through the, the sea. They are now on their way to the promised land. They have camped out at Sinai. Um, but, but now we find them right on the verge of entering into the promised land and find out what happens. Um, last week somebody said, Chuck, if you go through all of the chapters that we've already read, we're going to have to order out for lunch. But I, I, the, the story is so good, if you're not reading along with us, you really need to. I don't want you to miss any of it. All right, so listen to God's word to us today. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and onto the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zen as far as Rohab toward Labo Hamath. And when they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land and they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit, but the people who live there are powerful and their cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and, and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim, who are the descendants of Anak from the Nephilim. We, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is this, why is this Lord bringing us to, to, to this land? Only that we should fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And as they said this to each other, 
We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> Will you pray with me, please? God of grace and God of glory. Now on your people pour your power. Crown your ancient church's story. And bring her bud to glorious flower. Grant us wisdom. Grant us courage for the living of this hour. For our good and for your glory. Through your Son, our Savior, we pray. Amen. This morning I want to give some credit where credit is due. There is a church in California that about a year and a half ago went through this very same series of the story and preached through this arc of God's story, the Bible. And young pastor of that church um, preached on this particular text, and I want to give credit to some of the insights and thoughts uh, this morning uh, for the work that, that he has done. I don't think any one of us would disagree that life is full of both good and bad news. And it comes to us in that fashion. It's not all one, it's not all the other. It's a mixed bag. Life comes to us in both good and bad news. It reminds me of the story of the two very fast friends who loved baseball. They loved baseball so much that they made a pact with each other that whoever would die first and should go to heaven would find out if baseball were in heaven and would somehow come back and communicate to the friend left on earth about what he had found and so indeed one died first went to heaven and managed to come back and said to the other friend I have been to heaven and I have some good news and some bad news the good news is is there is baseball in heaven and it's very good but the bad news is you're pitching this weekend Life is not so simple in that it is all good news and all bad news. It sometimes comes to us both whether we like it or not. And that makes our lives somewhat more complicated. It makes our decisions somewhat more difficult. It makes our faith somewhat more challenging as we try to navigate these ways. Today's story about Moses sending out 12 spies comes with a report from those spies, both with good and bad news. 
Moses sends the spies across the Jordan River into the Promised Land for a recon mission to reconnoiter the land to find out how it is there. And the report comes back as a mixture of both good and bad news. When someone says to you, I have some good news and I have some bad news, which do you typically want to hear first? The good news or the bad news? Now, I've seen some of you answering, and you're along the lines of what the other two services have said, that they would typically like to hear the bad news first. Let's just deal with that, get it out of the way, and then give me the good news, and maybe I'll forget about the bad news, and it'll override. So that's not the way it happens, at least not in this story, but how does it happen with you? For instance, with the conversation with the doctor, and you sit down and the doctor says, I have some good news and some bad news, as he or she is ready to discuss the lab results from the tests that were done. Or that conversation with a family member who's gotten off the phone with a relative and there's some crisis and some difficult dynamics with the family and they've had this conversation with the relative and they say, dear, I have some good news and some bad news. Which do you want to hear first? Or maybe it's with a child that's been studying for that big exam and they come home and say, Mom, Dad, I took the test and I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Which do you want to hear first? In this instance, the spies return and they report first the good news. And it is good. The land is flowing with milk and honey. It's as good as has been advertised. Crops can be grown. Cows, goats can be grazed. It is all good. I can't imagine how, how this sounded to the Israelites who have endured some more than a year in the wilderness already. Dusty, dirty, exhausted. Yes, they've had water. Yes, they've had manna. Yes, they've had quail in a quantity so large that God said you will eat it so much that it will come out of your nose. But now, here comes a good report and the anticipation that God's people can kick back, receive their just rewards, and enter this land of sweetness. But there is bad news that then comes from those spies. The bad news is that the cities are fortified. They are strong. They are filled with powerful people. The report goes on to say that we are outmanned. We are overmatched. We can look at the land, but we can't touch it. We can walk around it, but we cannot enter it. And if we should enter it, it will only be for a visit. It will never be a place that we will call home. And hearing this, the people are then in an uproar. They, they're all in what we call a proverbial tizzy. And the noise and the chaos escalate. And Caleb, one of the spies, along with his friend Joshua, he has to silence the crowd, the cacophony, the chaos to give his minority report. And Caleb says this is true. The land is good and it is well fortified. But we can take this land. Let's roll. God is with us. Caleb is that glass half full kind of person Caleb has been described in this way, born a slave in Egypt, but he has been set free. 
Most of his generation didn't get the hang of what freedom was all about. Most believed that freedom was, yes, about milk and honey, but freedom as a right and not a privilege. Those who believed that it was Moses' job to lead them quickly, easily, painlessly into a land flourishing with milk and honey. And when the people face obstacles and see them looming on the horizon, their lives turn to chaos. They fall into a tizzy and they long for the unadventurous life of slavery because they are still slaves at heart. Caleb realizes what it is to serve a new master with determination. Yes, he lives in the same environment with the same information as the others, but he views it with a different perspective. They both see the same glass, the same horizon, but for Caleb, it is half full. And the horizon is broad and beckoning. How is it that you view the world in which you live? How is it that you cast your eyes on your horizon? How is it that you view the glass of your life? That's what the heart of this text is about, asking this question, how do you view your life and what's going on in it? Are you looking through the lens of faith or are you looking through the lens of fear? It seems like I quote Clarence Jordan at this point at least once a year because I love what he said on this point of faith and fear. Clarence Jordan, who was the founder of the Koinonia community, a cutting-edge community where blacks and whites lived together and worked together as children of God in a time when that was not supposed to be. Koinonia Farm that became the, the birthplace of Habitat for Humanity Clarence Jordan, who was that civil rights leader, that Greek scholar, that servant of God. And he said, fear is the polio of the soul that prevents us from walking by faith. How is it that you view your life? And Caleb and Joshua see the same land with the same challenges as the other ten spies see, but they view it through the lens of faithfulness. A faithfulness in a God who keeps His promises. The other ten spies see the same land, the same milk, the same honey, the same fruit, the same fortresses, and they choose to live by looking at it through the lens of fear. And it colors their report. For then the promised land isn't so much of a promised land anymore. And they spread a bad report. Do you see that in the text? The report now becomes distorted and they spread a bad report that becomes amplified, that, 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 that kind of grows out of control and beyond reality. They are stronger. They will devour us. They're not only large, but they're giants of mythic proportions. We are like grasshoppers and they will crush us. Notice how the report no longer is about how good the land is, but rather about how bad all of this is. And the people will face giants, and so entering the promised land has become something akin to entering Jurassic Park. And there's a bit of exaggeration going on here, wouldn't you agree? 
Have you ever seen anything like that happen in your experience? The bad becomes worse, becomes impossible. It's really bad. And whenever fear is involved, fear will distort the data. Whenever fear is involved, we just don't twist the truth. The truth becomes hopeless. Ever seen this happen? The proverbial handbasket? And people get all stirred up and they wail aloud, they grumble, and they go after Aaron and Moses. And they say, if only we had died in Egypt. If only we had died in the wilderness. And why has the Lord led us here? So that we would be slaughtered by the sword and then our children be plundered and our wives be abused by our enemies? Wouldn't it be better if we just go back to Egypt, they say? And panic has set in. And they scream and they weep. And they turn on Moses. Get us another leader. And they want to impeach Moses, forgetting what Moses had done for them. In essence, forgetting what God had done for them. And so not only do they begin to rewrite history, but they, get, they begin to lose touch with reality. And that's what fear does to us. If only we had died here in the wilderness or in Egypt. If only we could go back to Egypt. And please, pray tell, remind me what it was they were doing and who they were in Egypt. Weren't they slaves? Oh, I'm sure that was a wonderful life. I'm sure that was just peachy. Sadly, they have forgotten God's faithfulness who gave them their freedom, who alleviated their suffering, who, who set them free from their bondage and gave them new rules of engagement with the Ten Commandments, a new way to relate to this loving, living God, a new way to relate to each other. God had provided for them water and bread and meat. God had, pro had provided for them His presence and His peace, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. God had protected them. And all those blessings are lost to them. Let's go back to Egypt. How many of you own a GPS? You know what that stands for. It's a global positioning system. Well, those of you who were members of the church back in 2009, you will remember it wasn't too terribly long ago that our church went through a wilderness period when this sanctuary was under renovation and we could not worship in this place. And so we were relegated to the exile of the fellowship hall. Do you remember? And we worshiped there for probably 12 or 15 weeks. And when we moved into the fellowship hall, into that foreign, cramped land, very different from the grand and glorious place that we are worshiping in today, the sermon series was Away in the Wilderness. And in one of those early sermons, I talked about a GPS, but it was not a global positioning system. It was God's positioning system. And when God tells us to go left, we go left. When God tells us to go right, we go right. And when God says move straight ahead, we step out in faith. 
And I juxtapose that GPS, God's positioning system, to our own positioning system. And what would that be? Our own positioning system. O-O-P-S. Oops. And when we follow our own positioning system, it typically leads us to a place where we find ourselves going, oops, I really messed up and I'm not in a good place. And sadly, God's people have followed their own positioning system and they have lost their way. They have forgotten the Lord their God, let's go back to Egypt or just kill us right now. And as the story plays out, and we don't have time to go into it, but if you've read this chapter, you know that, that as the people say, just, just let us go into the wilderness, let us go back to Egypt, that, that God grants them their wish. God does not override their freedom, and He will lead them back into the wilderness as they have asked. And the wilderness will become for them their graveyard. It will become a sand cemetery. They will die there. The Lord says. But God is not vindictive. God is not out to get them. But God knows that they will never inherit the promised land until they develop a deeper faith. And faith is not something that comes to us on a silver platter. It is something that does not involve a fight, an effort, and trial, and sacrifice, and tribulation. Yes, faith is a gift and it comes by grace, but even the gift that God offers us in faith is something that we must reach out and take hold of and receive. There is something that we must do in relationship with God. The entire generation settles for the wilderness instead of the land flowing with milk and honey that was right there in their reach. C.S. Lewis says there are two kinds of people in the world. Only two. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. And those to whom God says, Thy will be done. There's an Old Testament professor who has said God does not abandon the church but God may allow segments of it to succumb to their own devices. God does not abandon the church but God may allow segments of the church to succumb to their own devices. And the pages of history are littered with this reality of examples of where this has been the case. Look at the churches in Europe. Europe wants the center of the faith the birthplace of our theology. Look at Scandinavia, Britain, and the continent. Look at those grand, glorious cathedrals. And now the faith in that place is sliding into oblivion. And how many of you have seen, read about, or even visited some of those great houses of worship, those cathedrals that are now museums, or cafes, or apartment buildings, or empty shells? while in other parts of the church, in Africa and South America and Central America and China, and just this past week I had coffee just 
right down the street with a man who is heading up Campus Crusade for Christ in China. And ha how, how many times are we hearing the stories of how the church is flourishing in these places and in China and growing and even exploding? And I believe for us here in America, the church is at a threshold moment. This is a crossroad for us. Will we follow the path of fear or whether will we follow the path of faith? And our whole generation, and dare I say the generation that follows us like these little ones, hangs in the balance. The Presbyterian Church USA, the denomination of which we were a part, came out with the statistics of 2012. And the news is not good. In 2012, our denomination lost 103,000 members representing 5.36% of our membership. And the rate of our decline is accelerating. In 2012, 119 of our churches either closed or left the denomination. To put this in perspective, in 1776, the population of our country represented, of that number, 25% Presbyterians. Today, and it has been this way for some time, there are certainly more Presbyterians in Korea due to the work of the Holy Spirit and dedicated missionaries. And there are more Presbyterians in Kenya, Africa than in our own country. And so we must ask ourselves today, where is the call of the gospel upon our individual lives and our lives as a community of faith? Where is God calling us to go? What is God calling us to do? And I would want to submit to you today that I believe that God is calling us in this church out beyond the walls of this edifice. Because outside of our walls, there is a land that is flowing with milk and honey, and we are very, very blessed here in the Chattahoochee Valley and uptown Columbus. And God is blessing this region. Blessing us in innumerable ways with a, with a, a growing economy with CSU that is bringing more and more students to the uptown and to our community in general. And the Whitewater Project, they say now, is the tipping point. We have been waiting for that tipping point. We are beginning to see this community in which we find ourselves being transformed day by day. And God, I believe, is calling us to enter into that land of milk and honey with the good news of the gospel. And will it require sacrifice? Yes. Will there be challenges? Yes. Will there be trials and tribulations? Yes. But God is with us. Caleb and Joshua say the Lord will be with us. We can do this. Yes, the people are strong. The challenges are great. But the Lord is stronger and the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us, do not be afraid. And Moses and Aaron, they wail. Jacob and Joshua tear their clothes. And this moment in the story of the people of God is not some little trite quibble or, or disagreement over some finer point. No, this is a moment of truth. The people of God find themselves 
But they were talking about claiming the covenant. The covenant that was made with Abraham. I will be your God and you will be my people. That was passed down through generation to generation to Jacob and to Joseph. And now the people of God are the privileged ones to participate in walking in to the glorious beauty and abundance and freedom of the promised land. And it is right before them and for their taking. And they will not do it. They will not listen. Yes, the news is good and the land is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, it is challenging. The cities are fortified and they are strong and we must fight. But the news is good. God is with us and He has already given us this land. Yet they choose the path of faith or fear instead of faith, however. And it will be 40 years and many funerals before they come back to the edge of the Jordan River to cross over. And now the choice is ours. And the questions are before us. Which report will we accept? Which news will we hear? Whose voice will we follow? Which God will we serve? Friends, there is one who has been there. His name is Joshua, or in Aramaic, Jesus. There is one that brings us a report who has gone over and come back and says to us, the land is good. The banquet is set. Come and enjoy my feast. Joshua, our Jesus, will lead us to the promised land and will not leave or forsake us. And so I've got some bad news, and I've got some good news. Which do you want to hear first? Oh, you said you wanted to hear the bad news. Here it is. We are limited. We are fallible. We are sinners. We are slaves to sin and we are imprisoned by our sin. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. That by the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have been set free. And He is with us. And He is calling us to follow. Don't shrink back in fear, people of God. Step out in faith. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand and respond to the Word as we say what we believe using the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Before we begin our time of prayer, please remember Joanna Williams and her husband Darren in your prayers. His father, Donald Williams, passed away. I got that word yesterday, and Joanna is executive assistant to Reverend Hasty and in charge of our publications here at the, at, the, at the church. Let us pray. Almighty, gracious, and loving God, your word calls us to rejoice in our challenges, and that leads to perseverance, which in turn leads to character, and character leads to hope, hope which does not disappoint. We, ag we agree with your word, as we pray for perseverance in our challenges. We remember those who grieve and those who are battling sickness and disease, those who wrestle with their own demons, those who seek peace and reconciliation at home, those who look for direction. Remember those who suffer for their faith around the world. In particular, we think of those suffering in Syria and Egypt in Pakistan, in Kenya, and elsewhere. May perseverance lead to proven character that reaches out and leads in this community. We pray that we learn to support and encourage one another better in these times. We pray for efforts to outreach, for outreach, as we pray for every meal served as a sack lunch or through break bread for every bag of groceries given by the food pantry. And may all this lead to hope which does not disappoint. May we grow better and not bitter during the challenges. And may we grow in our trust in you, O Lord, and our trust in one another. And we pray as Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It is good to see you all here today, and ask you to sign the attendance pads, which are at the end of your pews. Mark your name and pass it back to its point of origin. Be sure to extend that right hand to fellowship following the worship service. Also send greetings to those who are worshiping at Spring Harbor, in your home, um, in a hospital room, um, at a retirement facility. You're watching us online now or later in the afternoon, and maybe even if you T-vote us, we uh, send you greetings also. There are numerous things coming up in the weeks ahead. A few to highlight uh, our sack lunch packing party. We do need final numbers on that. That will be this Wednesday at 11. Just pack some lunches. We're going to be doing it in assembly line fashion, sitting down, and a fellowship lunch to follow. Good time together as well as service. There's a church trip to Atlanta Botanical Gardens later this week, that Thursday. If you're interested, please sign up. The stewardship luncheon at the end of the month, also there in your bulletin as well as our Church Family Supper program on Wednesday. Uh, Reverend McKelly will be teaching this week for the adults. FX242 continues. And now I'd like to call on Elder uh, Cecil Whitaker to come forward for a moment here to remember your story.
currently serving on the valuation and planning ministry team. He's been a faithful member of this ch church for many years. I will not give the number. I'll just say you've been a faithful for many years. Thank you. I appreciate the many years. Good morning. What a wonderful time of year to live in Columbus, Georgia. The very early colors of autumn, the uh, subtle falls and temperatures, which remind us of the beautiful fall season that is shortly at hand. I know that I feel the presence of God, I think, closer to me during this season than any other surrounded by the beauties of his nature. Columbus, Georgia. A progressive, progressive and exciting city. With so many things to be thankful for. Oh, the Whitewater venue, the, the resurgence of Uptown. Just to mention a few of the many ways that Columbus and its activities impact upon all of us. It's a great place indeed to live and to raise our families. The fall of the year is a time of beginning, a time when school starts and the public schools have cranked off. It's a time for the colleges to begin and our college students have already departed for their colleges, hopefully to study some and enjoy their college as well. This is also a beginning time for our church as we inject new officers into our diaconate in session. As we begin the process of budgeting and the very important process of raising funds to support us in the year ahead. I'd like to read a short quote from the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. Do not say to yourselves, my power and might of my own hand has gotten me my wealth and treasure. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to gain treasure and wealth, so that he might confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors. This church, the First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, has had a profound effect on my life and the life of my family. There's so many things about this church that are meaningful. The beautiful Sunday worship services, the music, the excellent preaching of God's word that we, we enjoy every week, and so many other ways that the missions of this church and ministries affect all of us and our families. But by far the most profound way that this church has impacted me and our family has been through the love and fellowship of you. The members of the church who have celebrated with us during times of joy and happiness and who've been there during times of distress and illness to support us and we hope that we have been there as well for you. Well, I wasn't raised in the Presbyterian Church, but in another denomination, and I actually sang in another denomination's choir for many years. 
but when Terry and I married, almost 54 years ago, Terry was a Presbyterian. And we compromised, and I became a Presbyterian. <laughs> now, I might add for you younger people that that type of compromise has probably been one of the reasons our marriage has lasted 54 years and, and will continue, I hope, in some years in the future. In these intervening years, I have grown to love the Presbyterian Church. I like its doctrines. I like its governance. I have served as a church officer on many occasions, both as a deacon and an elder, and was recently asked by one of my very wise children, why at this time in your life have you elected to go back onto the session as an elder? Well, I answered. There are many things of great importance that will face this church in the next few years. It is my hope that my gray hair and my experience perhaps can add some import to the solutions of these potentially impacting problems. The overall idea is to make opportunities out of problems and through opportunities to solve problems. Now, this is the time for us to support the wonderful ministries of this church. It's time for us to return to God some of the treasures that he has made available to us. Please prayerfully over the next weeks consider your pledge to this church. Your financial support, my financial support, is essential for this church to continue its mission. Thank you. Let us now present to God our tithe, our offerings, our gifts, and our very selves.
giving God, we dedicate our tithes and our offerings and our gifts in the strong name of Jesus Christ to build his kingdom, to do his work, and may we recommit ourselves to follow more faithfully in this week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter where you are right now in your life, on your journey, no matter how difficult or delightful 
Fear not. The Lord is with you. And the best is yet to be. So step out in faith. Have courage. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Love and honor everyone. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.